At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. What's up, Dream Nation? Back again with another episode for you. And I'm hoping that right now, for the last two, three weeks, we've all been quarantined. We've all been trapped up in the house, but I'm hoping that you have found a way to go after your dreams, go after your goals, and to just take action, which is what we talk about every single day. And so today on the line, we have someone who has been able to do just that. And I'm very fascinated by what he's been able to build and with this company, and I'm excited to learn more about it. So without further ado, please help me welcome Mr. Alex Squee to the Dream Nation podcast. Alex, is, is it Kui? Is that the right way to say it? It's, uh, it's pronounced Chi, like Tai Chi. Chi, okay, Mr. Alex Chi to the podcast. So without further ado, please help me welcome Alex. Alex, you want to go ahead and say what's up to Dream Nation? Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you guys. I'm really excited to talk to you as well. And, you know, I think there's a lot of really cool content that you guys have, have put online and you know, I'm excited to be a part of that that story that you're building, and uh, really looking forward to giving back to to the audience and sharing some of the insights from from my side. Yeah, well, we're excited as well. One thing that I always like to do is I like to start off with the proper introduction. And so I always think of us as entrepreneurs, just like superheroes. And what do I mean by that? I mean, we're constantly putting on a cape, we're flying around, and we're trying to solve different problems for different people in the world. And so I'd like to think before your company has been featured in everything from Business Insider to Market Watch and, and all of these big, big major publications showing how much value that you you've been able to bring to the market before all of that if we can even take it a step back to when you were just a young boy tell me who is Alex Chi well I think I'm still a young boy I don't think I'm, I'm that old yet <laughs> I don't think I'm classified as as something like that but but I think yeah so you know growing up you know in, in Waterloo Ontario which was uh about an hour from Toronto and you know growing up the biggest company in, in Canada was based here Blackberry and there's a lot of really, you know, great technology coming out of it. And you kind of, you know, are growing up in that mindset, in that bubble where you're hearing about all these stories all the time. You know, it's what I imagine, you know, New York City and what I imagine kind of, you know, London and Silicon Valley, all these tech hubs in the world, what that feels like as well, where you're kind of immersed in this culture. And the culture is always around, I mean, you know, you, you know this, Casanova as well, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's 
the culture is always around. You can do anything that you're, you're putting your mind into it. And I think that type of mindset growing up is really inspiring in a lot of ways. And, you know, Waterloo is definitely a small bubble. I think 2007 or 2008, one of those years, it was rated the most intelligent city in the world. So you're surrounded by all these people who have a really, you know, sharp minds and, and, and really big ideas. And, you know, that's ultimately uh, a really, a really good, you know, sculpting, a, a sculpting method to shape kind of your own entrepreneurial dreams as well. I would have never thought this was possible if I didn't surround, you know, myself with a lot of people who've already been there and done that and done a lot of bigger things as well. So I think that was, that was a really cool uh, experience. Got it. And, and I love it. So for you, when you first got in to, to deciding that you wanted to do your own thing, because did you ever work for anyone else or have you always been somebody that's kind of been, I'm going to start my own thing. I'm going to start my own company. Maybe this is your third or fourth company. Talk to me about what was that like when you first got started? Did you start a job or did you already have a company? Yeah, that that's a great, that's a great question. You know, back, back in school, we had, we had these, you know, co-op programs and we got a chance to work with, you know, companies as, as an experience. I think that was something that the good that the University of Waterloo did where, you know, we are in school all the time, right? Instead of, instead of going home and playing video games all summer, uh, not that I didn't do that, but, you know, we, we got a chance to work in, in companies and, and do these kind of terms as well. And I believe my, it was my third term that I worked for, you know, this guy named Fred. And he, he's, you know, he's based on Waterloo. He does these, you know, pre-compliance testing chambers. It sounds really technical, but what I think about it is it's like a, it's like a practice exam for the final exam, right? So, you know, every device that goes to market, it has to, you know, pass through these final compliance testing um, processes, but you want to make sure that your device or your cell phone or your, you know, tablet or GPS device is ready, you know, before it goes to these compliance testing processes. So he had a company that did the, he, he had to come and build these big chambers that, you know, that, uh, that, that tested these devices. And, you know, they were so, they were so powerful that he built one in his garage out of basically balsa wood and pink Panther drywall styrofoam that, you know, that performed better than, you know, the, the, the aluminum and, and steel boxes in the industry. Like he was the best performing chamber in the industry, despite the fact that it's made out of balsa wood. It would be like Casanova, you and I built a car over the weekend that had better fuel efficiency than a BMW. Right. It was, it was crazy what he was doing. And, and obviously a lot of those technologies, you know, it's, it's around, you know, creating more accurate, better, fast, you know, better and faster testing processes. So, yeah, I mean, I, I worked with him my third year at university. I stuck around, you know, part-time as well during school and, you know, worked with him in, in China for about a year and it was a really great experience. And I, when I left that company, you know, they, they just sold their first, you know, 10 chambers, I believe at that point. I mean, these are big chambers. I mean, I, these are like these, you know, you can see those like torture chambers from those movies. It's, it's not, not so horrific, but it's definitely that size where you can fit a couple of people in there. So, you know, at that time, you, you know, sold about 10 and, you know, it was, it was really kind of growing company at that point. But then I was like 21, 22, right? <laughs> I like, a, like a, probably like a lot of, you know, the listeners here, I, I think it was at a point where I'm like, okay, let's, let's find an actual job, whatever that means. Right. So I, I did go into, you know, consulting for about four years and, you know, left that company and that company today, I mean, they're making hundreds of millions every year and they're going, you know, about to IPO in a couple of years. And they're doing very well for, for where they are. So as you can probably tell, I left at the perfect time. 
(laughs) I left right, I left right when they're about to take off. And, you know, there's no, obviously there's no resentment towards any of that stuff because Fred and I are working together today on Merku. And he's, you know, the one that's our primary investor in, in the company. So, you know, I have a chance to connect with him over the years and, you know, he's definitely a smart and sharp guy. But when you're asking about the first experiences, that's a really cool thing for, uh, you know, for a third year university student to get involved with, right? A right. company that's doing some crazy stuff in, in engineering. And, you know, it was, I'm monologuing a little bit, but it's yeah. definitely a cool experience. So, so talk, to, so you always knew that you wanted to be a creator or engineer? Did you, I mean, here, did you always, or did you get forced into it? You feel like? No, I don't think anybody's forced into it. I mean, maybe there are some people that's forced into it, but I think most people, I think, are generally, you know, at a point in their life where they're like, okay, I have this stable job. I'm making, you know, a stable, you know, salary. I can see my future for the next four or five years. But there's always like this itch that you wanted to scratch, right? There's always this thing that you're like, okay, what if I can build, you know, a big company? What if? Not even for financial purposes, but what if I can just, you know, have an impact on, on other people's lives? And I think as any entrepreneur will say, like their products that they're they're putting out there, you know, we at Merku have the same type of mindset as well. Like it's nice to, to, to sell a product, but the nicest thing about that process is hearing the customer's feedback. And, you know, we sell Wi-Fi, right? So <clears throat> we do a lot of other things as well, but Wi-Fi is definitely one of the main things that, that we focus on. And you wouldn't believe like the, the internal gratification of, you know, uh, of talking to a, a customer where they're like, okay, before we were barely getting, you know, we're barely getting even a, a Skype call across. And now we're streaming like, you know, multiple 4k, you know, video streams in our house. And that's just been a big change. And I think growing up, we've all dealt with connectivity issues. We all dealt with different issues. So the real kind of, you know, positive energy from it is from the fact that your customers are, are giving you that feedback. And I think, you know, that, that's where, you know, Casimo, you, you asked um, if this was something that we're forced into or kind of, we, we kind of brought about it. It's, it's really about the environment as well. And I think growing up, you know, my family is very entrepreneurial and, and I think, you know, the environment was very entrepreneurial. I remember, you know, as like even a, a 16 year old kid, you know, going to, going to Niagara Falls, which is near Buffalo with my, with my uncle for a trip. And just, you know, being in the, being in the hotel room with them. And he's saying, you know, which university are you going to? And I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, this university in Waterloo. And I'm um, really excited. He's like, why are you going to university? Just drop out, <laughs> go do a business. Right. It's just, it's just like everybody around you is, has that mindset. And I think that's where, you know, you're, you're kind of brought up in that mindset where, you know, nothing's really, you know, out of, nothing's really impossible. And I think you yourself have a really great story, right? I think, you know, you have you know, an inspiring story yourself in, in the sense that you kind of started Dream Nation and, and you have all these followers, you have all these followings and, and you're doing quite well. And I think, you know, I'm sure you have an equal kind of support around you where you're like, okay, nothing's really impossible if I really put my mind to it. Yeah, no. And, and I love that you brought that up. When people always ask me, you know, with all of the tragedy and, and you know, big adversity things that I've went through, I think it was instilled in me at a young age, even though I never had resources or financial literacy, my mom and grandma always told me that, listen, you could do anything that you want to do if you put your mind to it, which is just like what you said. Now, of course, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but it came a lot of trial and error. And then I think throughout that process, everyone learns more importantly, 
what they don't like, but of course they're going to learn what they do like. But I think in, in life, so much of the time we are struggling to, to figure out what we do like, but we're still doing the things that we don't like. And I think that's where most of our frustration came comes in at. And I think that it's cool that early on you found that you liked engineering. And then on top of that, you had a mentor that allowed you in your third year to really go off and, and explore that. And then it just seemed like it was off to the races for you. So I always say that there's a little bit of luck in everything. And it sounds like, you know, you had some good luck on your side. Absolutely. I think that's a big part of it. And I think, you know, I think people sometimes don't, you know, discount of how much of a factor luck plays into it. But I think a lot of it is also hard work. I mean, you know, I wasn't an engineering, you know, I, I, I didn't have an engineering background. And, you know, still today, I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot from my team and, and, and their engineering expertise. You know, I've, <clears throat> I have more of a business background, I have more of a marketing background. <clears throat> but uh, with that project, I was just basically a scrappy intern. And I remember, you know, Fred, at that time, the company wasn't very big, right? We're talking, you know, we've only sold, you know, 10 chambers. We're making probably like, you know, not even half a million a year. And, and he had, he's employing like, you know, 10, 15 people. At that time, it was a very small company still. And I remember this guy used to work until, you know, 4 or 5 a.m. And I think that, and, and then I remember driving home with him because, I mean, as, as, you know, basically I was his intern, I was his assistant. And, you know, we're driving home and it was, you know, you can see the sun coming up. And there's no cars on the road because it's literally 4 a.m. And then he goes to me, he's like, okay, so tomorrow we'll go to the office at nine. And I'm like, dude, like I'm tired. <laughs> and he's like, how about this? He's like, you can get an extra few hours of sleep and you know, I'll go, I'll go to the office first. So it's just that drive that you learn over time. And you know, that was probably the last time that I that I, that I took an extra couple of hours. I, I've been with them ever since. But I think that it's that whole thing about sometimes you know, it's not about a workaholic culture, but I think it's like a wave. There's low points uh, of that wave where you can have a little bit more free time. You can have a little bit more time to spend with friends, family, and do different things. But then there's also these high points where it's a little bit more crazy. You have a deadline. And I'm sure, you know, with, with, with the Dream Nation podcast and, and your company, Casanova, there's a lot of moments of, of, of high tide and low tide as well, where you're not really working a nine to five. Sometimes you're working like a nine to three, right? But sometimes you're working like a nine to nine to five, but it's like five a.m. So I think it it, it really is. A, it's lucky to to be able to work with them for sure. But it's also very inspiring to see that, you know, he had a lot of expertise. He's a very skilled engineer. But really, you know, what made him special was the was the fact that he could work hard when he needed to work hard, or work smart when he needed to work smart. And then that's really you know lucky to have that experience. I think not a lot of people get to have that experience. Yeah, I think that's a great point that you bring up as well, because when we all decide that we want to start our businesses, right? And anybody listening at this, if you're thinking about you're going to start a business and now is obviously a great time because there has been so much funding and, and relief that you could probably get a hold of now that you, you couldn't have you know, six months, 12 months ago, or even previously. But for anybody that's thinking about starting a business, most of the time you get in and you're only thinking, oh, I can't wait till my business hits six figures or seven figures or eight figures. But it's hard once you first get in and you're starting to see that, hey, it requires so much sacrifice. And if you've not had someone like a Fred or a mentor in your life that's exposed you to those 14, 16, 18 hour days, then you're like, man, like no one ever said this part. 
right? Because the Instagram and the flash and the social media, that all looks great, but there's work that has to be done on the back end. And if you do not have a team of nine, 12, 15 people, and more importantly, if you do not have the right systems and delegation and process, you essentially become the assistant, you become the everything, and now you burn yourself out way faster than you should have. So it's great that you had that exposure And that's what I'm hearing you say. So I appreciate you bringing that up because for somebody, they need to hear that to to saying like, hey, maybe I need to go find some mentor, somebody who's in a space that I would love to be in. Yeah. And I think also, you know, to your point as well about, you know, the listeners here and and Dream Nation as as a whole. And, you know, a lot of people when they start a new venture or they start not even a company, but they start a new project or whatever, they may be working on something else. I think, you know, you, you yourself and your listener, I'm sure are familiar with, you know, your John Legend story, right? The guy was working, you know, before he was, uh, he, he's got his ego and he's, uh, he's a Grammy winning artist. You know, he was a consultant at BCG and he's there for a little bit. And, you know, being a consultant myself for a little bit, I know that the hours sometimes could be a little bit tough, right? You're looking at probably not your average nine to five either, but, you know, he would go home and he would work on his music, you know, after work and it was his passion and it was something that he really, you know, loved to do. And, you know, for him, I I think, you know, he had a business, he had like a, a main kind of earning, you know, a job that earned him money, but he also had this passion for music and he ended up being really successful, obviously, and he's done really well. But if you're starting a business, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to, you know, forego everything in your life to do it. You could, you know, do as your hobby. And, you know, we spend a lot of time on our hobbies, you know, a lot of people spend a lot of time on their hobbies. And I think if you really kind of love what you're doing, it, it doesn't necessarily turn it into a job. Even with Merku these days, you know, we, we still have moments where we're about to, you know, pitch a client or, to, you know, go somewhere and do something. And, you know, the night before we just can't, we can't sleep. We're just too excited. <laughs> right. So, love you know, it. even, a, even a couple, you know, weeks ago, even during this quarantine, we had a couple of calls that we, we needed to be on and, and a couple of things that we needed to, to get done. And, we just couldn't sleep. Even if we had some downtime, we couldn't sleep because, you know, it doesn't feel like necessarily always work. You're working, you know, you're working, so to speak, in a team, but these guys are your teammates. You guys are just there to accomplish a goal. I don't think it's very different than any other team, right? If you're, if you're on a baseball team, a football team, basketball team, it's just a bunch of people together working hard to achieve a goal. And I think if you think about it like that in mindset, it doesn't really feel like work, right? It feels like that you're doing something together. Hey, what's up, Dream Builder? Have you been getting any value out of this episode? Would you like to get more exclusive content just like this delivered right to your inbox? If so, head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com and you can sign up for the email list and that will give you access to exclusive content and more interviews just like this that's going to be delivered only to our tribe. So head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. Now talk to me about Merkel because this right here is is something that is highly, highly needed as we've already discussed. But how did you come up with this idea? How did you, where did this problem arise from that you felt the need to solve? Yeah, so so I, I really can't take credit for, for coming up with a lot of technologies. I would love to say that, that I did, but really the truth is that we have a really strong, you know, founding team. That, that had a lot more experience than me on the engineering side of things. But we basically saw a need in the industry. And, and you know, in today's time, in 2020, 
you know, 75% of people have, you know, connectivity issues in the home on a weekly basis, right? And, and about one third of the U.S. population have connectivity issues on a daily basis. So people are having a lot of connectivity issues. I'm, a lot, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are hearing this and they're like, oh, you know, yeah, that basement, you know, that basement office that I have or that, you know, upstairs bedroom corner, I just can't get Wi-Fi there. Like it's 2020, we're still having a lot of these issues. And you can imagine back in 2018, it was even more prevalent of a, of a problem. So, you know, when we looked at it, we're like, okay, so there's this problem, obviously, but, you know, what causes connectivity issues? What causes a lot of these, you know, problems in the household? Is it because the devices are not, are not powerful enough? Maybe. But in a lot of cases, it's because every house is like a snowflake, right? If you're, and, that, and that's a lot of the, the challenges with engineering is that you're getting something that needs to fit everybody, right? That's why for, for anybody, you know, listening who's developed like an app, for example, the iOS platform, you're developing just for, for Apple products, which is, you know, in, in a finite number of products. But if you're developing Android, you got to like look at all these different, you know, screen sizes and phone sizes and generations and, you know, every, it's got to fit everybody, right? So, you know, a home and, and Wi-Fi is, is not that much different. Every home is different and every home has different structures. And that's why things don't always work out the way they work out. So when we looked at this problem, we're like, okay, let's, let's look at this, but let's make it like a, like a modular solution so that it's, it can be more like a glove. It doesn't need to have just one access point or two access points. It can have 10 access points and it can fit a lot of different homes. But then again, we're always like, okay, people don't have a lot of money to spend on Wi-Fi. You know, like it's not a, it's not a product where, you know, especially given the current situation, right, with unemployment, with, you know, financial pressure that a lot of people are facing, you know, we, we want to make sure that we have a product that's, you know, really modular, really powerful, but at the same time that it could be more ubiquitous. So we had a lot of those kind of, you know, things to overcome, things to think about. And, and then, like I said, at, at the, you know, at the beginning, like we had a strong team. Like we have a team, like our founding team has between all of them, you know, 480 patents in telecommunications. Like I think most companies in the world don't have 480 patents. And these are big patents too. Like some of them are like, for example, you know, one of the, one of the, the main founders on the team, he invented the modern smartphone antenna. So every smartphone in the world uses some iteration of his design. So we had a good, we had a really good engineering team. We had a need in the market. And I think that's a lot easier. And, and, and to your previous point, Casanova, I, that's probably a lot of luck as well, right? So just to get into that situation. Um, so I definitely can't take credit for, for the engineering power that we did as a team. I will, I will say is that we're a very cohesive team. We have a lot of people who doesn't mind doing a lot of the administrative work or a lot of the, the dirty work to get things done, you know, no matter, no matter the title that they have on their business card. Got it. I love it. Now, for somebody who's listening right now and they say, oh man, that's great, Alex. But if I wanted to to be a part of a team like this or be a part or even start a team like this, like where do I start? Did you did the idea was the idea brought to you? Did you bring the idea to someone else? Like, how did you even start to form this team? Was it you who formed the team, or you just got lucky enough that they gave you a call because of your business and marketing mindset? Yeah, so I think from from Merku's perspective, you know, we were we we already had something that we were working on on the software side, and we we it's all about networking, right? So we got to know Fred over the. I mean, I've known this guy since two thousand and five, if not even earlier. So this was like fifteen years ago. I started working with them in two thousand and seven, so that's thirteen years ago. So it's a lot of networking as well, 
But what I will say is a lot of companies lack talent and they're still looking for talent. I wouldn't say lack talent as in, as in they don't have talent, but lack talent as in they could really use more talent, right? And I think Merku is in the exact same space right now. Like we're also trying to hire for many different roles. And we would love to find really eager, you know, hardworking want entrepreneurs or, or, or want to be entrepreneurs to work with us. And it's really just a matter of, of you know, talking to people or, or getting involved with a lot of, you know, local agencies. I know in Toronto, there's a lot of resources because Toronto is more of a tech hub. But I know that, you know, a lot of places in, in, in the U.S. and the world have their own tech hubs. So, you know, if you're interested in getting into this space, I would really go and start networking, talking to people. Because everybody needs, every company, no matter how big or small, always needs really good talent, right? So, and that really good talent is hard to find. So I think, you know, in our case, you know, we were, we were working on a few different things and we've known Fred for a while and Fred was working on a project that he wanted to kind of combine with what we were working on, on our side, because in 2014, you know, I, I, I was supposed to, you know, do my MBA. I was accepted. I was, you know, supposed to be shipped off to there and I ended up taking that time to, to start a business instead. Maybe I, I thought about my, my uncle's advice to me at 17 in Niagara Falls when I, when I was doing that. But, but I really think that, you know, from our side, we, we had that opportunity because we've networked for, for a while. And I would say that's a really important part of it. And, you know, even with Dream Nation, you know, you guys have so many followers and subscribers and stuff. It would be really great if there was a community among them, right? Hey, you know, I'm a Dream Nation podcast listener. You're a Dream Nation podcast listener. Tell me about your business idea. Right. And maybe I'm, maybe I can help you. Maybe I can you know, do different things. I mean, that's how communities form. And I think communities is really at the heart of, you know, the entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah, no, I, I love that you said that. It's all about the relationships. It's all about the networking because it so is. And when people ask me, you know, how have I been able to get these guests? How have I been able to get high level guests just like you on the show, right? It's first about the outreach, but then it's about building a relationship while you're present in that moment. And then it's about staying connected. And if I heard you correctly, you said you first met Fred in 2005, you guys built a relationship and then you started working with him in 2007. So again, it was just that time of forming that relationship. And, and so I, I love that you brought that part up. As far as when you say so many companies are looking for talent, because this is all about finding opportunities, right? And going after our dreams and living a life by our design, right? But we got to take action. So when you say that, I'm sure myself included, we're always looking like, well, what are, the, what are companies looking for? You said young talent. What is some of the areas or fields that, Maybe if somebody's listening right now that they could try to capitalize on that. Is there a specific one that you would say, hey, if you can find talent in this, like maybe it's marketing, maybe it's, you know, engineers solely or something like that, and you can bring that to companies like ours, you're going to have a, a very lucrative career. Is there any one area that you would think of? I wouldn't say there's one area. And I, I think that the, the war on talent is, is, is so difficult to do right especially when you're a startup so for companies or so for startup companies it's, it's it's a challenge and for people looking for that it's also a challenge i wish there was a better way out there so um, maybe i'm really throwing a, a business idea out there for everybody but right that's um, what we love that's what we're trying to uncover but i think that's honestly a, a big issue like if you look at airbnb like those guys didn't hire their first employee for like eight months or something right because the 
because when you have a thousand people and you bring on someone on board and maybe they're not the best fit for the culture, you make a hiring mistake. Everybody does that. But if you have a thousand people, it's not going to be a big issue. But if you have five people, right, or you have 10 people, then it's a giant issue because that person has a, has a significant impact on the, on the company. So, you know, hiring at, at a very early stage, it, it is very challenging the fact that you had to find the right person. And, you know, we always, you know, say internally, and, and I actually talk, was talking to some of the, my mentors in the, in the space as well, and they're giving me the same feedback is that you never regret passing on a candidate. And I think that's kind of weird to hear because in sports, you definitely don't have that same mindset. I'm sure, you know, the Portland Trailblazers will go back in time and, you know, draft Michael Jordan, right? But they didn't do that, right? They would regret doing that. But as a company, you would never really have that regret. I mean, you have some talent that you're like, oh, damn, I wish we'd gotten this person or this person's great. We should, we should have brought her on board. But, you know, there's a lot of different um, reasons why you didn't do that. And I think a lot of times as a company, you know, I, I don't think you go on those regrets. The people that we've, that we brought on board that are ultimately, you know, leaders in this company, when we brought them on board, there was not any issues with them, not any things that we felt like was misaligned with the culture. And that's our view, of course, right? If they go to another company, there might be cultural misalignments. It doesn't mean that we're always, you know, we're, our culture is always the same as other companies. But to your point about on the other side, if I'm a job seeker, right? If I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find, you know, a position either in a startup or in, in a growing company, I just really think about bringing it down to basics. I think a lot of times with startups, you're not doing one specific function, especially in, in the early stage. You're not going into a company where you're like, okay, I'm going to be a digital marketer and only do Facebook advertisements and that's going to be my job. Like you're probably doing that, but you're going to be doing a bunch of other things, right? And I think, you know, it's really about... So we at Merku have three, you know, cultural pillars that we always emphasize and it's different for every company. And, you know, the cultural pills for us is, you know, hard work, persistence. The second one is, you know, teamwork, collaboration. And the third one is critical thinking. And it's, it's very easy to obviously say those things, but it's very hard to put those things into practice as any an entrepreneur would, would attest. So I think from our view, those are the things that we really look for. I don't really care personally if you have like 10 years of experience in digital marketing. If you're a smart, hardworking and collaborative person, you know, we love to have you on board. I think that's a mindset for most companies because these things, you'll, you know, you'll learn over time. But if you're an engineer, obviously it's a little bit different because you have to be able to develop these things. And, and of course, you know, you know, learn through those things. So for, engineer, for our engineering hirings, we do do a little bit more of a technical assessment on, uh, on top of these three things. But to your point, I mean, you know, I'm sure, you know, with, with you, Casanova, you guys have brought on a lot of really talented and, 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 and collaborative people to your team at Dream Nation. And, you know, when they joined, they may not have been that experienced or they might have been. I don't know. I, I don't want to speak for you. Right. Yeah. I don't know how it was at, you, at, at your company. Yeah. So uh, I have multiple companies, but talking about just Dream Nation, it did start out like a family that, you know, there wasn't a lot of experience. And part, partly because just like any other startup, you don't have a lot of capital. This is kind of like a passion project, but you know that you're trying to run a business here. So we started as more like a family, but then quickly we understood that, hey, we really have an opportunity 
to grow this thing. So we got to focus on systems and we got to focus on just like you said, collaboration and culture. And so I've been very fortunate that that my team has just, they bought into the vision early on and, uh, and we all are working towards the same goal to empower and inspire people to, you know, go after their dreams. And, but at the end of the day, they have to take action. And so that's what I love that I'm hearing from you and, and seeing from you at Merku, that's kind of a tongue t- twister, but luckily I got it. But yeah, <laughs> this is this is phenomenal, man. The one thing that I want to kind of wrap up and, and ask is for somebody out there that's very inspired, maybe they're an up-and-coming entrepreneur, maybe they're actually just an engineer, but they're thinking that they you know, are ready to exit that company because they don't know that that company is going to go on and do all these other things. They're just thinking about where they are right now. But they have this little voice in their head that maybe tells them that they're not smart enough. They don't have the Fred mentor. They're not strong enough. Uh, what's the one thing that you say to that person to get them to just take action? It's a very good question. And I, I love to to ask, you know, the people that we have at Muraku about that question as well. I think I'm going to pose in the next team meeting here. It's going to steal your, I'm going to steal your question, but it's fantastic and, in the way that that is like, what does that first step look like? Like, why did you take that first step? So for the entrepreneurs that that's already kind of done that, like what was their reason for that first step? Right. I think, I think it's a, it's a very difficult question because it does vary person by person. I think there was something that came out a while ago where they did a little bit of a study around, you know, successful entrepreneurs that we see in our lives. Right. So, you know, like Bill Gates or, you know, they threw some names out like, you know, Larry Ellison and Michael Dell and all these different things, Steve Jobs, people that we think back, you know, back in the, 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 the 80s, 90s that ultimately became the biggest company today, you know, how they got their start. They found that they actually have a lot of safety nets. Like these guys didn't come from backgrounds where, you know, they were kind of struggling and they're kind of, you know, you know, you know, living day by day. They've already have like a strong kind of family kind of connection and stuff like that. So for them to take that first step, it wasn't actually that much risk because if they didn't do well, they can always go back to whatever they were doing before, right? So I do think that this question probably varies uh, very differently person by person, especially in COVID-19 situation where everybody's kind of losing their jobs and everybody's kind of like feeling pressure from many different avenues. But what I would say about, you know, the entrepreneurship journey as, as a, if I can give like a, give one answer for this is just find something you're kind of passionate about. I think also delve into what you're really, you know, passionate about at, at, at the core, right? So I can be, so I can say to you, for example, and this is not true, but I could say like, I love carpentry. Like I, I really like making like these, you know, you know, sculptures out of wood and, and things like that. And, you know, but maybe my passion isn't around that. My passion is re- really around creating, creating art or creating something that, that has, you know, has a realistic material to it. And if I love doing that, then it doesn't have to be just wood. It could be something else as well. It could be, you know, it, it could be sculptures, it could be marble, it could be, you know, whatever it is. I know it's a really bad example, but if you delve deep into, you know, what your passions are, then maybe there's a, there's, a, there's more of a, an avenue about what what job or what role or what entrepreneurial, you know, aspirations that could, that could flow into. So for me personally, you know, I, I like, you know, I like business, I like marketing, I like, you know, business development, things like that. But at the core, I just like connecting with people. I just like having conversations, right? And I'm sure, you know, Casimo, if you're doing a podcast, I'm sure that that's your passion as well. Um, right. So if you if you like doing that, you don't have to do just do marketing. You could do business development. You could do, 
you know, product management, right? You can do a lot of these other things that are parallel to it. So I think that's kind of what I would think about. And there's a book out there. I, I don't have the exact book name. I do apologize to that. Maybe, you know, your team can find it afterwards, but it's the whole concept of, of jobs to be done. It's a Clayton Christensen, you know, a Harvard professor who recently passed away. You know, he wrote, the, he wrote quite a few books, including, you know, Innovator's Dilemma, Innovator's Solution, all these, you know, core business books. But you know, one of the things that he championed later in his life was this concept of jobs to be done. Like, for example, you're not really, when you go to a store, you're buying, you know, you're buying nails and you're buying like, you know, like a, a nail gun. You're not really buying, or a drill rather, you're not really buying a drill, right? You're buying you know, a four-inch hole. You're not really buying a four-inch drill. And you're buying a four-inch hole, you're not really buying a four-inch hole, you're buying the, the feeling of, I can put up my own painting. Or I can put on my own art. Or I can put on my own picture frames. So you're buying more of a self-accomplishment or DIY kind of mindset. So understanding, you know, what you really want to do um, at, at the core will allow then you to explore other things that's a parallel or a tangent to these things. I love it. I love it, man. Well, there you have it, people. If you just understand your passion, it's it's hard to not go after that. It's not. Ha- it's hard to not, you know, really ask yourself what's that thing that I really want in life and why am I not applying it at my highest potential? So this has been great, Alex. I'm super honored and grateful that you gave us some of your time here in Dream Nation. For anybody who is inspired, who wants to stay connected with you, who wants to learn more about Merku and how they can be a part of that, how they can support the business, where can they find you at? Yeah, so you know what? Just you can find us at uh, merku.com, but because you know we always want to connect with with you know entrepreneurs, we always want to connect with you know the, the better part of the you know the entrepreneurial community. My personal address is alex.qi, so a l e x qi at merku.com, m e r c k u dot com. Shoot me an email. I think that's probably the best way to do it. Let's just do it personally. Why why, why go through all the little layers, right? And also the the book that I was mentioning earlier, if any listener is interested, it's called Competing Against Luck. It's yeah. by Clayton Christensen. It's a great book that I would recommend anybody to read to better understand, you know, their their jobs and their life. Love it. We'll definitely drop that in the show notes. We'll also drop the email in the show notes as well. But again, thank you, Alex. This has been a pleasure to have you on the show. And we look forward to having you back again, seeing all the new things that you've decided to to solve, the new problems that you've decided to solve and, and watching your growth. So thanks again. And remember, Dream Nation, in the dream we trust, but we must take action. Otherwise, it will only merely be a fantasy. We'll see you on the next one. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side. Say goodbye 
your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.